It's my understanding that in 2020, a census will be taken here in the United States. One that is taken every 10 years and whose purpose is to figure out who lives where so that congressional districting can be redone to reflect where the population lives so that everybody has a chance at an equal voice and to be heard in Congress and throughout our government. As I listen to people today, what I hear reported on the news, listen to all the discord that surrounds our country today, what I realize is what the number one issue at the base of all the rancors seems to be at times is everybody wants their voice heard. Everybody in this country wants to believe and feel that they are important and counted when it comes to the governance of this country. Now, I raise that because in tonight's gospel, we hear of one of the first senses ever taken some 2,000 years ago. Augustus Caesar wanted all the world to be counted, or at least those members of his empire. But it wasn't about giving people a voice. It wasn't about giving people the opportunity to be known and seen and heard. In fact, it was quite the opposite of what our census is about. It was really about dehumanizing people, letting them know they were but a number and there simply for the benefit of the empire. What that census was about was A, to figure out how much they could reap in taxes, and B, to figure out strategically what they could expect for the armed forces. And that was all that it was about. It wasn't about making people feel as if they counted. And in fact, back then, 2,000 years ago in Palestine, by and large, the people who lived throughout the countryside in the cities of Jerusalem or the cities of Israel and Judah, they really didn't matter much to the Roman Empire. They were people that were part of an occupied nation. And without the status of being a Roman citizen, they were nobody. And they knew that clearly. Because if you tried to stand out, if you tried to stand up, the fate was very clearly broadcast before you through the public executions. It is into this setting that Christ comes into the world. But Christ doesn't come into the world with those who seem to matter not into a palace, not among the kings, but to a young woman who is pregnant and not married, to a poor couple whose primary means of income is through the carpentry work of Joseph, to a young couple that seemed so insignificant 
even though this woman was great with child, that nobody was willing to make room for her in an inn. And out of charity was given the opportunity to spend the night and bear her child in a barn with only hay and a feeding trough there in the ready. God came into the world to people who basically, to the Roman Empire, were invisible. And the birth of Christ is announced not to the high, the mighty, who mattered to the Roman Empire, but to the shepherds. The shepherds back then were simply invisible people to the world. If they came into the town, they were shooed away. They were the equivalent of our, who our street people are today. But it's to these people that the angels proclaimed the birth of God on earth. Luke, when he tells this story, is very pointedly talking about a contrast between the empire of Caesar Augustus and Rome and that of the kingdom of God. And he builds this contrast in a way because he is interested in telling the world that with the birth of this baby, an alternative reality has begun that being the kingdom of God. And in that reality, there is nobody who is insignificant, nobody who is invisible to God. The child is named Emmanuel, God with us. God with each and every one of us. No matter who you are, rich or poor, people of color or of not, male or female. In Paul's defense to Felix, he builds on Luke's description of the kingdom and the birth story by telling the judge Felix, God shows no partiality. And later in his letter to the Galatians, some 60 years after this event, he will write, in Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, free or slave. All are one in the eyes of God. So many of us go through this life and we carry with us this hope that somehow our life on this earth will matter. That we will leave behind something that says that we existed. And no matter who we are, we struggle to be someone, to be important to be recognized for who we are, for what we do, what we offer. What tonight's reading tells us is that in the ways of the world, 
we may be made to feel and told that we are insignificant, whether it's because of our gender, our color, our sexuality, the resources that we have before us, the rank we reached in work, or even our age. But in the guise of God, we matter. So much so that as he tells Jeremiah, he knows the count of every hair on our head. And so as we gather and celebrate the newborn babe, we celebrate a great reality, the assurance that in the eyes of God, no matter what number we get assigned through the census or the demographical information that they collect on us, maybe to our government we are just another number and a part of a voting mass, but to God, we are greater than that. We are God's beloved child, each and every one of us, whom he knows intimately. And his love for us is so great, each and every one of us, that as John says early on in his gospel, that he sent his only begotten Son, so that those who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So as we give glory to the newborn King, let us give thanks that from God we are somebody, we are loved, and we matter. Amen.